Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and we love movies. Horror movies are the only genre of film where women appear and speak as often as men. If you think that is both very cool and very terrible, we agree and are here to talk about it. For centuries, witches have captured our cultural imaginations. The archetype of the witch can be a friend or foe, green-skinned and angry or bookish and heroic. From the craft to the Blair Witch, depictions of witches in movies are diverse and complex, but they often touch upon the same themes female sexuality, age, beauty, and power. Today, we are going to talk about two recent witch films, The Love Witch and The Witch. So what did you think about The Witch? So I first saw this movie in theaters. I guess it was 2016. I saw it in theaters, and I've never been in a theater before where the audience, like, there was just this clear antagonism from the audience towards the movie that was, like, palpable. Mm -hmm. I I remember when the movie ended, like, you could tell people were pissed off at what they had seen. That it wasn't like a horror movie that they had expected. It wasn't even particularly scary, and that no one had had like I was I was su- impressed and surprised that a movie like that had re- um, had gotten like national distribution. But I liked The Witch. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like I think it could have been like cooler and better in many ways. What about you? Yeah, no, I really liked it. I saw it in theaters too. I don't remember the audience at the time having that reaction, although I remember hearing my friends, some of my friends, like, say that they were disappointed in it as a Mm -hmm. horror movie. And I also, where I live looks, like, I live in the middle of the woods. True, in New England. (laughs) And it looks like that. And so I remember just going home after the movie and being very afraid walking up my long driveway in the middle of the woods. (laughs) 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 But, yeah, no, I thought it was, I was thought it was really scary but I I guess I get how people I mean it's not like a slasher film it's not still like silly Mm -hmm. in any way that I think some people come to expect from some horror movies or at least like mainstream horror it's definitely like a like a quieter more it's Mm -hmm. like a period piece you know it's a period (laughs) piece and any sort of it's all like tension and imagery and there's mm-hmm. not really any like jump scares. So the movie is about a family in the 1600s who uh, have recently immigrated from England and they are banished for unclear reasons from their settlement into the woods. And there's like a time jump and we catch up with them after they've settled and they're all by themselves. It's a mother, a father, and then there are four uh, young children, the oldest of which is a teen girl or she's tween named Thomason. And as we were talking just now about it being a horror movie, something I thought that was an interesting choice was, so the family, the movie kind of begins with Thomason losing her youngest brother. She's playing with him by the edge of the woods. Uh, She's playing hide and go seek and she looks away for a second and he disappears. And from the get go, we know that he is taken by the witch. There's not, there's no real mystery for the audience. Her family says it's a wolf. They have like vague aspirations to get the wolf and kill it. But at, from an audience perspective, we know the entire time it's the witch in the woods. And we mm-hmm. watch her, like, dress the baby and kill it. Clyde, she uses its blood to become younger and more beautiful. And so I thought that was an interesting choice, especially given how the movie ends up, that there's no mystery ever about the witch's activity. We know mm-hmm. a witch is interfering with this family and this farm. Because I think sometimes they set it up to kind of be like, this is, it's almost like a family drama it's a psychological drama between these people out there all by themselves in the woods. I think a different film would have had it be 
a little more open-ended, perhaps until the end, about the activity of the witches? I think it was maybe to... I mean, I don't really care about defending this film that much, and Mm -hmm. I'm not, like, this is not what I'm setting out to do. I just think maybe that establishing this, like, horror at the the get-go, like you said, right at the start, Mm -hmm. they are just like, this is what the villain is. They kind of allow room then for you to also be scared of other things, like the tension in the family. Because Mm -hmm. I think another thing that's really scary about this movie is just the way that the family just turns on each other. Yeah. And especially on Thomason. And that part, I feel like, can translate to any time period almost where Mm. a family can just be kind of torn apart it's like a the the classic coming of age where you kind of realize that your parents don't know what they're doing and that's a scary thing to realize as a kid like it's I remember when I first realized my parents like didn't under like I couldn't trust them they don't know everything exactly yeah I think especially the stuff that's was the most um fraught for me to watch was the mother's interactions with Thomason, who is kind of, she's in, she's in puberty. She's very beautiful. So the mother and she have this tension in their relationship, like almost like a a competitive tension. And the mom character, it was funny. I was, I was, I was watching this a few nights ago with my boyfriend and I was thinking about how some parts of this movie could easily be like a family comedy too. Like there's a scene where the dad is just like falling down, like rolling around at the farm, like being like, Oh, dope with the animals <laughs> and the kids are I, yeah. bratty and then the mom is like yelling at him and they have a scene where they're in bed together and the mom is like i never meant to become a shrew to thee <laughs> and it's like oh it's like king of queens but they're in the, the woods together yeah um, you're right <laughs> yeah. um i love all the performances in this movie though like way to commit mm-hmm. to character and yeah. period. I think it's And the, the woman who plays the mom is the same person from Game of Thrones. Yeah, she is. I'm Lisa? actually wa- Lisa? L- yeah. Uh, uh from the Vale. Yeah. I'm actually watching season 1 of Game of Thrones right now with Tim. It's his first time. And so we watched The Witch a few nights ago and I was like, it's the mom who weirdly breastfeeds. And then she has a yeah. weird breastfeeding scene in this movie. Yeah. She was like perfectly cast. <laughs> She's going to be typecast as, like... (laughs) I'm willing to let my boob have terrible things happen to it. Yes. I love her, though. She has... I said this to Tim, and I felt like a weird compliment. She has a great face. Mm -hmm. And so does the the dad. He kind of looks like pre-colonial Jesus. Yeah. They just look like they're, like, miserable. They do. It's a funny... Which is another scary thing about this movie is, like, this time just sucks. Like... Yeah, it does suck. Um, in high school, I had this English teacher who used to, like, constantly pull the class on different stuff. And one time, she was like, let's all go around the room and say what period of time we would live in if we could change time periods. So we went around and everyone was like, the 80s or the 90s or something like that. <laughs> and then we got to this girl in class who said that she would want to live in the 400s. And we were all like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And my group of friends from high school talks about that moment all the time. And every time we talk about it, we make it earlier in time. We were like, do you remember when Chrissy said she wanted to live in 200 BC? And we were like, ah. When was Clan of the Cave Bear? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know either. You know, to be fair, though, very early, like Neolithic or Paleolithic, whatever they're called, times, had great 
equality for women, probably more so than they did in The Witch, because they were we were hunter gatherer societies and everybody worked and yeah, it was more egalitarian for women. So they say. And sometimes they had like matriarchs, right? Yeah, that's that true thing? too. They so had the brings... uh, the Venus. Oh yeah, the Venus of Little... Willendorf. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! I just saw a girl with a cool tattoo of that the other day. So that brings a good point up about this movie. Do you think The Witch is a feminist film? I think it is an anti-patriarchy film. I don't know if hmm. that means it's kind of like. Yeah, it exposes like the how destructive the patriarchy is, but I don't think it necessarily does anything good for women in that. But I guess in that sense, I guess exposing the patriarchy is like one step towards <laughs> yeah towards feminism. So I yeah, and I feel like at times the movie is like really clear about that theme. I'm paraphrasing right now this writer Kate Hagen of the Blacklist. Um, she said she points out a scene where. The father, or I guess it's like an ongoing plot, is that the father sold some of his wives' silver cups that had been in the family for hunting supplies. And Kate Hagen writes, the pursuit of male power and dominance undermines female feelings. It is, it's interesting because it's almost like a perfect petri dish for like gender dynamics because we have like this very puritanical religious family. They're a small family unit living on a farm. And they have a daughter who's, like, butting into womanhood in their midst. I think sometimes the movie is, like, very aware and very clear of that. And But the connection to the witches is almost a little unexplored. The movie ends with Thomason going to join the coven um, after her, her entire family is killed uh, from either her own doing or witch activity. Before that, we had seen Thomason's, like, character arc, I guess. She was on this farm with her family... She had kind of some tension, some typical teenage girl stuff with her mom. And then she overhears her parents talking about sending her away to work on someone else's farm, which upsets her. She has a great moment where she yells at her dad and is like, you don't fucking know anything, dad. It's very (laughs) rebel without a cause. Yeah, it is. And he like calls her a bitch, I think, and hits her. And then she after her whole family is dead, is approached by the embodiment of the devil. And it, and it, to me, it was like the witches and their activity in the woods had never been set up as like an alternative for like a, a compelling alternative for Thomason. What yeah. we saw them do was kill a baby, seduce a young boy, and like scrabble around naked drinking goat's blood. It wasn't right. like there was ever a moment of her being like there's a way to live outside or within different confines um, than the ones I'm currently living in. And that's Mm -hmm. what's so scary about it is there's like nothing she can do ever to be kind of safe. It feels like even at the end that she's not, it doesn't feel like she's safe. It doesn't feel like she's. Yeah. I mean, she's like flying. She's like at the end, she at the very very end, she's like flying into the sky, but I, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good, good. Like, yeah it doesn't feel good or triumphant for the character at least i don't think um, i don't think so to me it feels like she traded out one patriarch for another i think it's just showing a symptom of the patriarchy and kind of mm. it's all shitty <laughs> it's all shitty when it's this hysteria over religion isolation your beliefs and also just adults beaten horrible because the devil comes to her in the form of like a sexy sounding man um why she's and like caresses her why she's naked so it's like yeah, yeah she's, so she's like joining a sorority that has a dude at the head 
you know? Yeah, yeah. I was really disappointed. I remember being very disappointed in theaters when the devil showed up. As yeah, this, like, guy before in that, he's just cowboy like, boots or whatever. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> Black Philip the goat. And I'm down yeah. with that. Or like ambiguity about Black Philip, even though Black Philip definitely is evil and he kills the dad. Black Philip is like an iconic joke now. Every time That's I see true. Goat, he was a meme. Like, yeah. Me too. Every time I see a black goat, I'm like, Black Philip. Um, <laughs> yeah, some great animal acting in this movie. I wondered yeah. watching it if you train goats or do you just like hope a goat is it like a cat where you're just kind of like, I hope the goat does what I want in this shot. You could probably like trick it to do stuff with food or something, right? Maybe, maybe they're smart. I haven't spent that much time with goats. Yeah, me neither. They have There's really also cool a very eyes. Scary hair. Oh, true. That hair is very frightening. Yeah. Hares are generally scary. I know that they you are. said if you'd be an animal, you would be a hare, but... I would, because, yes, I like them a lot. But this one is a, this is a very... I was like, how are they getting this hair to hyperventilate like that? Mm, yeah. I hope through safe and humane cause, uh, cause. Something else that I thought could have been done better in this movie is that... So we know about the witches the whole time. We know about the witch activity. We know that there are supernatural forces at work. And I was surprised by how how much the family's, like, beliefs and fears about witches are pretty much exactly what witches are like, down mm-hmm. to throughout the movie when they when they, the kids talk about witches and uh, kind of, like, sit there and tell each other stories. They're like, oh, witches, you know, they signed the Book of the Devil. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, we literally see Thomason sign the Book of the Devil. It's, like, yeah. one for one, like, the witches do this. We're frightened yeah. of these witches, and this is exactly the shit they do. And I think that's coming That's coming straight out of... I mean, the director, writer, the creator of this movie, mm-hmm. Robert Eggers, did, like, five years of research with documents of the time, and pretty much all the dialogue is ta- taken from those documents. And that's where he... That's where he's getting the mm-hmm. depiction of witches are from, like, the Salem witch trials, because that's... I mean, that's all from that. And so he's just basically taking the Salem Witch Trials and being like, this was real. Yeah. Or I guess this is what it would be like if it was real. I wonder what, like, witch groups thought about this movie. Um, Well, the Satanic Temple did endorse the movie. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything to me, I feel like, because, I mean, Satanists, please email us, correct? Yeah. (laughs) Please! (laughs) At chickflickspod.com. At yeah, gmail.com. Chick, yeah. Chick podcast, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Chick Flicks uh, podcast at gmail.com. Yes, it is. Please email us um, but, but Satanists, I don't think they actually believe in Satan. I think they're just, right oh, now, they're, they're just like atheists. So I guess that makes sense yeah. if they're, because I think, if mm-hmm. anything, this movie is just a kind of like a statement against basic, like, fervent religion. Because yeah. you can't have belief in Satan without belief in Christianity. No, you're yeah. not going to believe in the devil unless you, you are think there's a believing in God. That's a very good point. And also, I think that kind of the way I have come to be exposed to like modern day witches is that they seem anti hierarchy and for the most part anti patriarchy as well. And mm-hmm. this group is definitely they have a man at their head. They're mm-hmm. flying around naked for him. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to this quote I wanted to read from an article from the Jezebel, the website Jezebel, uh, about the witch and Egger's process, 
where the author writes, um, maybe we can like link to this piece, about the ending of the movie, it says, it literalizes the fevered terrors of our god-mad ancestors, and then brags that it's all steeped in research. It's like if a couple centuries from now, the latest holodeck true crime horror flick is a West Memphis 3 story that wraps with the boys high-fiving Lucifer. Do you know about the West Memphis 3? I googled it after yeah. I saw this quote. <laughs> it's about, it's like three teenage boys who were, I think, all of them um, convicted with killing some young boys in Texas. <laughs> uh, I'm only vaguely familiar too, but I know that it was part of like satanic panic in the 80s. And I thought that was interesting because, I, and again, I would also be interested to see what like witch groups thought of this movie because yeah. it's vilifying witches. Like I said before, yeah. it doesn't really show them doing anything than, other than being like bad and treacherous. It, this movie also has a trope in it that I think is uniquely horrifying to male audiences. And we've seen it in Game of Thrones and The Shining. And it's a very old woman body. <laughs> is, uh, has the glamour of a young woman's body. Or a young woman is secretly an old crone. Mm-hmm. And that... The old, the young woman's beauty should you should be suspicious of it because she is uh, fooling you, and she could change back and forth between her mm-hmm. desirable body and her undesirable one. If I was a witch back then, I get I get that the the like there's some sort of cultural power in being a young sexy woman, but I'd be like I live out in the woods by myself. I'm farting in my hut. I'm baking pies. I don't have to worry about any man. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I get that. Would fucking male witches be so concerned with being, covering up their old saggy bodies? I mean, there are no, like, male witches in pop culture. Like, they're always just, like, wizards. That's true. Yeah, that's very good. That's a good point. Uh, There's, um, the Reductress has this t-shirt and sweatshirt that says, my other body is an old crone. Um, (laughs) and I've always wanted to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, we almost synced up our ums. (laughs) Mackenzie, would your mom like this movie? Has she seen it? She hasn't seen it. She probably would... I think the baby mushing scene (laughs) would really turn her off. My mom can't do body horror stuff. She just can't. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this kind of skirts around it a little bit. So there's a chance that she might not even realize what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. But if she yeah. did, she would be sad. Slash, she would just leave. <laughs> My mom um, was raised Catholic, and she's still a little superstitious about uh, many things that she was raised with, like black cats and stuff like that. So I feel like some of this movie's themes would be effective. I guess, I mean, my mom was raised super, con- like, she, her dad was a minister. She was raised really in a really religious household as well and I think it makes her like I said before like she is also has these like superstitions that someone like me who is not religious at all doesn't really have it's just like you can't have one side of superstition without Mm, having the other the other like when I was reading about witch stuff in college she was the one who like gave me crystals (laughs) 
that's funny. So, so this is interesting. IMDb, I did not know they did this. They aggregate their reviews by gender. Oh. Um, the Witch overall, its score is 6.8. That's the weighted average, with most scores obviously being like eight sevens. On average from men, this got a 6.9. On average from women, this got a 6.3. And it got the highest scores from men under 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's surprising to me. Wow. People who did not like this movie really hated this movie. Yeah, people didn't think it was, they were, like, thought it was boring. Yeah, and I think also, if I remember correctly, the trailer did not depict it super accurately. It made it much more jump scary. Yeah. Wow, this person has literally never written a movie review before, but felt it necessary to warn anyone they can that this is the worst possible movie-going experience you could make in 2016. So I'm saying, people hated this movie. First and foremost, this is not horror. In no way does this fall under the criteria of the horror genre. It's not a psychological thriller either. There is nothing thrilling, psychological, horrific, disturbing, or scary about this movie. I disagree with that so much. I think this movie is so scary. When, yeah. when the, what's the kid's name? Caleb? The little yes. brother the little is like brother, in Lost in the Woods is so scary. And when he's, especially when he's in like those brambles oh, yeah. and he's just like trapped in them. Oh my God. I, and plus the, the music is so scary. It just like yes. builds and builds and it's terrifying. It's just this shrieking. Like strings. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I think like a choir, but it's, it's really i think it's really scary and i was scared every time i heard the um wind rustle the trees because you they kind of oh yeah the sound editing is very scary yeah i mean they live in the middle of the woods so they'd be hearing that all the time but you don't really hear it unless you know the witch is coming and it's mm. it's a very distinct scurrying noise yeah that's very true. scary i wonder yeah if the witches though again not to harp on this again but just could have been a little bit scarier if we hadn't yeah. known right away that they were the ones right around i think the woods. yeah exactly like i think the part that was scary was that she was the only thing that made it her scary was her in the beginning mushing up a baby <laughs> like the yeah. act was a terrifying horrific thing and that's why they kind of relied too much on that, probably, to have the witch be scary. I think. Okay, what would you, um, what would your rating for this movie be as a woman who is twenty five and not a boy who is under eighteen? Um, I mean, I I do really like this movie. I like mm-hmm. how tight it is. It's really well executed. Yeah. I do think that I don't want to say the meaning behind it, but maybe <laughs> maybe that's what I mean. Could be better but as a as a movie as a film i think it's a great piece of craft and i think i'm gonna have to give it like a seven me too i think it would i would give it a seven as well it's really to me like very fun and enjoyable too like it's just a great movie going movie watching experience and i love the performances i think anna taylor johnson is that her name i think she's terrific anna anya taylor anya joy She's great, oh, and this kind of like great. jumps to kickstarted her into. Some yeah, cool she's she's like a bit of a scream queen now. I actually yeah. read an interview with her where so this was like her first big role, and the first time she saw the movie was at like a festival or something, and she had a panic attack because she hadn't realized how much of the movie was just going to be a close up of her face, and it oh, freaked no. her out, and she made her oh. feel really insecure. Oh and my I was gosh! Like, oh, so sad. She's beautiful. She's she like, is she is very like angelic. <laughs>
So the Love Witch is kind of this, it looks like it's set in the 60s, but I don't think it's supposed to be. It's just kind of the aesthetic of the movie. And it's about a witch named Elaine who does love spells to try and get men to fall in love with her. She often ends up killing them. <laughs> Director, directed by Anna Biller. I think it's her second uh, feature film. film. Yeah. She, it took her like seven years to make and she did pretty much everything for it. She hooked that rug and that alone just makes me love this movie. Like nothing else could be, I could <sighs> not like anything else about this movie and that alone. I love this Yeah, movie. she did like I love the me costuming. a crafty girl. Oh my god, and the rug, yeah. Wow. So I think that's a good jump off point for me to ask you what your favorite outfit in The Love Witch was. My favorite outfit was, oh gosh, wow. Okay. Uh, initially, I was just going to say her first introductory outfit, the red dress with the huge amulet, Amazing. Blue eyeshadow, pink lips, pink cheeks. Loved it. And then, but I also loved how she lined her coats with rainbows. I was like, wow, I could get yes. that. Oh my gosh, yes. And when I first watched the trailer for this, I was like, oh, is that a special effect? But the clothing is really like lined with rainbow. Uh, yeah. When I, when I first watched this and I realized that she not only has the most killer eyeshadow ever, but the eyeshadow changes in different scenes. Like I thought we were just going to get blue the whole time, but she does mm -hmm. purple and turquoise. I was just amazed. And it's so yeah. nice to watch a movie that was obviously made by someone who as a storyteller is like, these things are important and they do inform the story. So I'm going to yeah. pay them lots and lots of attention. Mm -hmm. When I see a, a film made by a woman, I'm like, wow, this is so refreshing. And it's like, kind of like mm. makes me yeah. think about, all the movies that are by men and how like much just, how, yeah. how much is missing because it's so distinct like when you are watching a movie that is crafted by a woman just even like little things yeah it's like something that they say a lot on uh linda holmes says on pop culture happy hour that like diversity in storytelling is good not just for diversity's sake but because lots of different types of stories get to be told and yeah it's just more interesting that way. And I felt uh, like giddy watching this movie for the first time because this is so different than like, say, Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman, which is a huge studio mm -hmm. film with a huge ass budget, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where they have to kind of like strictly adhere to a storyline that ties in mm -hmm. with the whole franchise. Because mm -hmm. this was like one woman's absolute vision down yeah. to literally the rugs in the scene. Yeah. And that just feels so amazing. And I thought it was so cool that the clothing in the, in the movie is so exquisite because I guess like clothing is certainly like a traditionally feminine endeavor so mm -hmm. much so that I was thinking uh off the top of my head I don't know the masculine version of the word seamstress I guess Daniel Woodcock and Phantom Thread whatever he is <laughs> um, Taylor I don't know oh I guess yeah Taylor but Taylor huh. seems kind of like uh, lesser almost less artistic you know or like it could go either way like I feel like a mm. woman can also be a tailor I don't know that's true too I, I love that the acting in this movie too, uh, which is intentionally overdone and campy, but I thought it was so great. But at times it did remind me in a very uncomfortable way of what my acting was like in high school plays. Yeah. It's like, uh, it was just like that. <laughs> Except yeah. probably worse. Yeah. Uh, it, it works because Anna Biller is just kind of obsessed with these mm. movies from the sixties and old movies. So it kind of works because that's what she's going for. But it also is, they're good performances. Like when the actress who plays Elaine is Samantha mm. Robinson. And I mean, she's beautiful and she, the way 
she kind of looks like a um, brunette Sharon Tate. Yeah. Besides that, she just, she's very poised throughout the whole movie, but she can also show annoyance and Yeah, like terror. flashes, yeah. It, yeah, and like also humor. Like, this is a funny movie. <laughs> this is a very funny movie. And yeah, to comment on that, the casting is so good. All of these actors have like a throwback quality, especially um, mm-hmm. the actor who plays the cop love interest. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I'm like, how does this man act in other, like, non-weird period pieces? Because he yeah. just has, like, this lantern jaw. He's, like, cartoony looking almost. Right. Yeah, and I thought that Samantha Robinson is so amazing. Yeah. Um, the one actor that doesn't, to me, didn't feel, like, fit in that time period was mm-hmm. Trish, the woman who pray- oh, played yeah. Trish. She seemed the most, like, and I feel like that worked for her character also because her character was kind of out of place yeah, among she's the other like, characters. She's like, haven't you heard of feminism, Elaine? Yeah. <laughs> In an interview, Anna Biller said that she had the most trouble casting Trish, actually. Oh. Because all of the people were kind of playing her as bitchy toward Elaine. Oh. Because they were kind of playing her as, like, someone who felt... Be threatened by Elaine. Yeah, or, like, above her, kind of, because she... They were feminists, and they had all these, like, you know, and, like, why was Elaine doing all these, like, why did she only care about men, blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, that's not the case, and I think Trish, the person she did cast as Trish was able to kind of have this, like, she cared about Elaine. She was even, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've loved reading different interviews with Anna Biller, because she just has something interesting to say about like every part of this movie. I read an interview with her from the website nofilmschool.com from 2016 and she's talking about the female gaze and this quote like super resounded with me. She said, there's this split that women experience within themselves, looking at themselves from both the inside and the outside. I think sometimes we experience ourselves as a shell, a surface or an image for other people and not as a person. There's kind of a schizophrenia that women experience in our culture. There's this weird way that you distance yourself from yourself and you become just an image for other people. It's an experience that men have much more rarely in our culture. And I thought that she was talking about that. um, The context was she was talking about the character of Elaine where she, you know, like wanted Elaine to be someone who would be beautiful to both men and women, which she's like, you watch this and you're like, I love her makeup. I love her clothes. Yeah. Um, And I was like, you got me, Anna Billard. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Plus, her makeup like, and her clothes. How she articulated that feeling so well. Yes. And I think, like, I know that I think about that a lot because I yeah. do care a lot about what I look like to other people way more than, say, my boyfriend. Like, I know, like, we just put so much time into what we look like. And I think that's another interesting point she brings up, too, is about, in this interview, she talks about where is the female gaze in cinema? Does it exist? Um, mm-hmm. I've heard... Some people say before that there really can never be a female gaze. Like, she talks about this in the interview, and I I've totally understand this and feel this, too, that we as women have, have and own the male gaze as well. You know, like, when we look upon ourselves and other women, we evaluate them yeah. with this gaze in mind and judge their attributes on based on that as well. Right. If we are inflicting the gaze, it's still, the, I think it's still the male gaze because mm-hmm. it's... It's like... Oh, definitely, yeah. The objectification of women started somewhere and was popularized by, like, men. Mm-hmm. And that's just, like, it's ingrained in us now as well, as women. Like, we are also, like... Yeah, we're like, we're like soldiers of the patriarchy as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's true. And I thought, and that, that quote she says about there being a schizophrenia to being a woman is like a pretty good thesis statement for the film as well, too. Yeah. Um, so we watch Elaine throughout the film. She's kind of a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's totally irrational. And she she just has this insane quest to be loved. No man's love is uh, good enough for her. She's let down by them. And she ends up killing three men, or four, I guess, counting her husband throughout the film. I think this movie has lots of horror tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see people complaining that it wasn't a horror movie, perhaps, or... Yeah, well, I think... I don't don't care. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think definitely this movie is a lot... Has a lot more going on. I I didn't... I wasn't scared watching this like I was when I was watching The Witch. That could also be because Elaine kind of had the power, so... And she... So maybe that wasn't scary to me just because... That's true. She is a woman. She wasn't like this... um, Like, Thompson had no power. yeah. Yeah. At all. And that was what was scary. Her being, her having no power, being completely that's isolated. True. That's what made the witch scary to me. And this, in The Love Witch, it's Elaine who kind of has, I guess, agency. But throughout the film, which is, this is typical to kind of 60s movies, there's like this narration of Elaine's thoughts mm. kind of going over it. Like a voiceover, yeah. But it's really interesting to hear what she's thinking because sometimes it's, I love when she is talking, she's like burying the first guy we see her kill. And she's like, we all just become decomposing flesh. When I die, I'm going to come back as a black cat or something. Yeah. Like I thought that was so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think that, I don't think a man would have written that. Like, like Mm. little things like that. Like, I just don't think. So true. Like Another thing that like almost shocked me when I first watched this movie because the, the actress who play Elaine, plays Elaine is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Her hair, her makeup, her costume, mm-hmm. just amazing. And then we get to this scene where we see her, like, take off her wig. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> because it's showing you that there's, like, an artifice to her beauty or that it's, like, mm-hmm. and partly, like, we're revealing the construct. And I, I was just like, I can't imagine a man ever putting that in a movie, uh, yeah. showing that the beautiful woman put some sort of effort into maintaining her, you know, like strenuously built up image. Right. Um, it reminded me of the movie, The Obvious Child, which has a, a female director. Uh, but there's this scene uh, where the, there's a scene where Jenny Slate's character and her best friend are like trying on clothes together and like just being nice to each other. And that's like a whole scene in the movie. This movie could have only been made by one person and it also only could have been made by a woman. It was... Yeah. So gorgeous. And I'm happy that Elaine gets away with it at the end and that she's not, like, extremely punished at all. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't think she's, like, I don't think she's, I mean, she's happy in her, her fantasy, but I don't think she can be happy really yeah, in true. reality. Just because, I mean, she keeps thinking about, through her narration, you, you know that her ex-husband, who she murdered, was saying things like, Elaine, can't you just oh, try shit, harder yeah. to like, clean and cook dinner for me? And it's like her super villain origin story is that she had a husband who kept asking her to like wear more lipstick, and so she was like, "Fine, I'm gonna wear more lipstick and kill you." Yeah, uh, <laughs> like this is what you want. I'm the perfect woman now. Yeah, yeah. and I guess I mean we haven't really talked about this, but it's kind of about how men can't deal with their emotions, which I I kind of love because it. 
people are always like women they're so emotional but in this movie it's just it's really funny to see. yeah they like go out of their mind because she's so beautiful and her love magic is so strong yeah it reminded me um the scene of when she we she's with the professor and she um is like dancing for him and she starts stripping and she reveals that her clothes are lined with a rainbow i loved mm when it was like a kaleidoscope and it reminded me of metropolis have you ever seen metropolis i haven't actually okay well there's a scene in it where this like super hyper sexualized like robot woman is dancing for all these men and she's kind of dancing sort of um, erratically and erratically they do kind of kaleidoscopy things there too yeah i know i don't want to like annabelle says that that she doesn't want this to be compared to like other movies which Mm -hmm. i understand because she made every single part of it herself pretty much but it's clear that it's inspired by other things also yeah definitely so i found uh this amazing one-star review it's so good on imdb it's from thought criminal that's the name the title of the comment is chock full of liberal slash luciferian propaganda (laughs) This production is only masquerading as a movie when it's really anti-everything good and right propaganda. Its targets are men, love, family, decency, morality, (laughs) dignity, virtue, and wholesomeness. It's pushing third-wave feminism hard, and it's shocking to me how few viewers see it as it's really a feminist playbook that even wants to promote the Luciferian practice of sex magic right out in the open. Yes, people, these are the times we're living in, where things once taboo are now being brought out of the shadows because they know society is godless enough now. And two out of 11 people found this review helpful. I am going to say <laughs> this review is not not helpful. I mean, it is helpful because I mean, it would make me want to watch the movie if I had read that. Yeah. <laughs> it, I guess it could go over people's heads if they're... I mean, I could definitely see it, like... This movie was not for that person, like, they... No, I, I could definitely see it Not for them, not made for them, even, yeah. <laughs> because if you're a dude who's, like, afraid of emotions, it's gonna piss you off. Yeah, definitely. Because you're not gonna understand it. <laughs> yeah. And you're gonna be like, she's making fun of me. And also, like, this dude saying that it's, like, third wave feminist propaganda this movie is like so dense from a feminist perspective like with all the like competing views of like what a woman should be like i'm surprised that guy got that out of that (laughs) because the main character is literally like we're here to be subservient to men yeah Um, yeah i was afraid to talk about this movie because because it was so dense but i feel like we're doing okay (laughs) yeah i mean i think i could continue like reading about it and watching it and finding new stuff or even just mm-hmm. finding a new beautiful like outfit to marvel over yeah i would love to be elaine for halloween one year i could totally oh, do it you should do it just get oh yeah let's get some amazing eyeshadow i i, I read on wikipedia that the, it's actually supposed to be in present day it, it just looks yeah retro. it is because well i think so because like all of the cars are except for her car most of the cars oh, yeah. are yeah modern day and also trish uses an iphone at the end <laughs> yes i know i was like that would be very abrupt if you really thought that it was um have you seen the movie um house of the devil i don't know i for, i always when you say that one i always think it's the one that we watched in ian's dorm room our junior oh, yeah. year but i don't think no. that's the same movie 
No, it's good. It's um, it's by Ty West. Maybe we'll watch it someday. But mm -hmm. it's his version of like a '70s um, horror movie about like witches, and it's also so well done and so meticulous to detail that when like even down to the opening title, you're like, is this movie from the '70s? But it's not. <laughs> Greta Gerwig cool. is in it. Oh wow! Yeah, I would love to watch that. This does have in common with The Witch that it's sort of a period piece and also that the creators were like obsessed. <laughs> so yeah, that's I think, true. I think they're both, yeah, I think they're both like triumphs of film mm -hmm. and a testament to how much these people cared about these movies. Like it's clear that a lot of really hard work went into them and I appreciate yeah. that. Oh yeah. And I would, I think also like to add that Anna Billers has said that, um, she received, like, she was almost mutinied by her, uh, her own crew because they ridiculous. were so uncomfortable with her direction and that she was in charge of so many things and they disagreed with the message of the movie themselves. That was crazy. I totally yeah. believe that. Like, I believe yeah. her. I'm sure there were grumpy people who couldn't stand being told what to do so meticulously by a woman. But, yeah. It's like, it reminds me of Ridley... Scott and oh how yeah she's, like notorious for <laughs> being like really hard to work with I don't think his crew has ever tried to sabotage him probably mm -hmm. probably know? not and Anna Biller's I think her next movie is also going to be a horror movie she's tweeted yes. about it um subverting Weird. some familiar horror tropes so that's exciting she yeah. has made a fan out of me yeah me too as I'm especially I think it's supposed to be Bluebeard like the wives of Bluebeard oh, or whatever. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Which I am newly a fan of because of the Korean drama, Strong Girl Bongsoon. I don't know anything about Bluebeard. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch it one day, I promise. It's just, this is going to make me sound like such a lazy American, but subtitle, I've been meaning to watch Dark for that, re, uh, Dark, the Netflix TV show, mm -hmm. but I just am like, ah, oh, sometimes you just want to like look down at your phone or I do the dishes a lot while watching TV mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and cook and I can't read subtitles. Maybe I should I guess, just learn German. I don't know. Well, I can, I can read subtitles when I'm embroidering and for those who don't know <laughs> that are listening to this. Mackenzie is an amazing artist. I'm an embroidery artist, so I spend, like, all of my time doing that. So I, I can actually do it while watching subtitled things, so. That's awesome. Because it takes, like, a second to read, and then I'm doing it. And You're back. Wow, so Mackenzie yeah. does amazing, brilliant artwork, and I can't even bother to look up from my phone to watch subtitled uh, media. <laughs> Figures. No, they're, no, it's just because you don't have anything to, like, occupy your hands and sit in one place that's true you. that's something maybe great you should like that. knit or something yeah i'll knit and then i'll wear the scarves i make in the 98 degree houston <laughs> yeah true <laughs> <laughs> um mackenzie what would you rate the love witch i would rate it 8 out of 10 i'm gonna give it a 9 out of 10 okay um yeah very very good i'm happy we watched it Eight and a half just because of the rug. The half, the Hell half yeah. is just for the rug. The rug <laughs> needs its own movie. Because I love me a fiber artist. I guess it could also Hell be for yeah. the costumes since she like made all of those Renaissance costumes by herself. Mackenzie, you should intern for Anna Biller. <laughs> or work for her. You're, you're more qualified than an intern. But Thanks. 
Thanks, Bridget. <laughs> Anna Billers. Contact us. Satanists, contact us. We are I at- will embroider your shit. She I will, will leave shit for you. I can do paintings. For I work both at paint the Satanists and the Satanists, I said Satanists, uh, and Anna Billers, the offer stands. Mackenzie will do work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's making you happy this week, Mackenzie? Um, let me actually Google it real quick because it's a new show on Netflix. And I love it. I think you would also really like it, but unfortunately, it is subtitled. So it's called Agret. And I'm an ignoramus. I'm, I'm butchering the pronunciation of this, but it's called sure. Agret Suko. It's a Japanese. Oh my gosh! It has it's a it's a cartoon, right? Sorry, I yes. keep interrupting you. It, yeah, it, it's so good. I mean, I haven't finished it, but each episode is only 15 minutes, which is perfect for me to like. Procra- like kind of like yeah. take a little break for without uh, completely losing myself in something uh-huh. and um it's about a red panda who is 20 20- i think she's like 25 which is like us pretty much oh my gosh um and she works in this horrible office job us <laughs> pretty much mm. and she hates it and her like secret passion is that she goes to karaoke and sings heavy metal and like screams and i should so try cute. that out I have been scrolling by it on Netflix. I will definitely check it out. Um, I think it's cool that Netflix has getting um, so many, like, international titles to their library. Yeah, there's another Danish one called The Rain that I recently started watching. Oh, my sister watched that and liked it a lot. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, What's making me happy this week is I'm watching um, the first season, or we just finished, actually, the first season of Game of Thrones. It's my boyfriend's first time. Um, And it reminded me that throughout the I've been an on again off again Game of Thrones fan since it started on air I did not watch a couple of seasons in the middle because the sexual violence and the writers general laziness towards female characters ticked me off so I just Mm -hmm. dipped out it's I like the show but it's frustrating to me because it seems like the showrunners and the writers don't understand why women like the show, and they keep doing things that alienate them from the show. Because I do think it has such an amazing, diverse range of uh, women characters. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what make, what's making me happy is the writing of Sarah Mesley, M-E-S-L-E, in the L.A. Review of Books. She does recaps for the Game of Thrones episodes, and I'm that kind mm-hmm. of nerd where after I watch a TV show, I want to read what someone's written about it. And she just always has something insightful and interesting to say and interpret about the episodes. Like, she pays a lot of attention to what characters wear. Just stuff like that where I'm like, I don't even know if, like, David Benioff or whatever those guys' names are give a fuck about what female characters or male characters are wearing and what it says. (laughs) But we're paying attention. That's cool. Does she recap every episode? She started with the season three, I think. But yeah, she's written something for every episode. And she's great. And she's really smart and just has interesting things to say all the time oh, I love that. <sighs> yeah satanists can contact us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com we're also on instagram and twitter as chickflickspod correct yeah i knew that leave yeah. us a voicemail no just kidding we are not don't that call us. Legit. <laughs> <laughs> i i yeah we're millennials we don't talk on the phone yeah <laughs> except to each other <laughs> Okay, uh, what should our sign-off be? Yeah, good question. <laughs> uh, maybe we should just say... Bye, Bridget. <laughs> we could, yeah, we could just say bye, Bridget, and bye, Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye, Bridget. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Mackenzie. Okay, good. <laughs> nice. Um, Crushing it. <laughs>